welcome to Midfaith Crisis Podcast Episode Two. Um, hey. We made it. We made it to Episode Two, Joe. <laughs> it's, it's a real miracle. I think it's gone beyond our our target, really. Also, um, what I think the listeners don't appreciate is how long this idea got. Go to, <laughs> to get going. Eighteen months ago, yeah. nearly two years, in fact, yeah. we spent talking about this, and then you have to get the website, and then you yeah, to... it's very complicated, and it's still complicated. Anyway, welcome to episode two, of Mid, Mid, Mid Faith Crisis, a uh, podcast about mid and faith and crisis, and um, uh, uh, here we are. So we had, we actually had some feedback, we did. did we not? We did from, from last time. Actually, emailed us. Um, uh, yeah, that's good. Anyway, we'll get on to that. But how's your week's been? It's been good. Yeah, thank you. Very good. I went to a Brian McLaren conference. Did you? That was exciting. He's a very wise man, I've decided, and he's got a lovely hairstyle with it, which I completely relate to. In other words, he's he's utterly bald. Yes, he? he is. But he he was uh, truly he fantastic. He got a goatee. Yeah, <laughs> he, he didn't that day, actually. Did he not? But he has had. He has got a goat. Yes, he's certainly <laughs> got a goat. That would be great, actually, if Brian McLaren had a performing goat. That would be... <laughs> It would liven up the conference, <laughs> although it was plenty lively enough. Was it? What was it about, this conference? He was talking about how to interpret the Bible. Oh, was oh, I don't know whether really? you've come across that, the Bible, I, that it's is. It's very familiar. It's... <laughs> What's it about? Uh, well, it was quite interesting, not necessarily what you think. Um, and that was the point of the conference. And it was actually very inspiring. I shall not relate it all now, but I shall eke out the little bits of wisdom over the yes, coming podcast. And, pre- and present them as your own. But i tell you what I did think. What? Wouldn't it be great to have him as a guest on the show? Are we going to have guests ever? Or are um, we not important enough? I think, well, there is the, the little matter of that, you know, exclusion order that you're under. About <laughs> yes, approaching people. <laughs> you, you know what that's... Yeah, Come on! It'd be good Aim to have high. guests. It'd be fine to have guests, okay, I suppose. Good. Yes. Depends on the guests, really. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. And can we do a live phone-in from our listener? Is there more than one? So it's <laughs> taken us 18 months to work out how to record. <laughs> how to push the record button how on the computer. How to actually push the record button. I think a phone-in is about <laughs> a bit ambitious. Anyway, look, um, well, that's good. Uh, what have you been up to? Uh, I'm writing a book on the Reformation. Are you? Yeah. How's that going? Oh. I see. I hate Calvin. Do no, you? I don't hate. Well, no, hate's hate is a strong, strong word. Hate is a, vo- a very What's not to like? He's German. He's a theologian. He was French, actually. Oh, was he? Yeah. Well, that shows yeah. how much I know. His real name was Jean Covin. And he was <laughs> no, a lawyer. I, I don't even know if you're telling the truth No, that's now. absolutely true. He Are you French. trying to say he's Jean Whatever it is. Jean said. Valjean. <laughs> <laughs> He's Jean Covin. C A U V N. V I N. And, uh, okay. yeah, it became Calvin. And, uh, no, he, I don't hate him, but. Was I Calvin a better him, brand? Immensely depressing. <laughs> um, I think, he, I think he was, yes, he sort of rebranded himself. Most of them did, actually, because Martin Luther's original name was Luda. Okay. Little Marty Luda. And he became Martin Luther. They all okay. did it. Yeah. Anyway, it's a bit depressing, but I'm trying to think of more jokes to say about the Reformation, and I used them all up in the first book, so I'm a bit... I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> anyway, let, let's get on with this. Um, feedback. We had feedback. Yes. Read me, read me and letter. Okay, Joe. so here is a letter that I very much liked. And thank you, if I may just say, to everyone who did go to all the bother of writing in and saying nice things. And for all of those who didn't say nice things... <laughs> anyway, uh, 
Here's a letter from Paul, and he says this. Uh, I found myself in church this week singing about dancing and shouting, but not actually dancing and shouting. You chatted about the lies we sing, and I wondered how far a worship songwriter might be able to push this. Some potential first lines from the words of Jesus, and he suggests, this is the genius of this letter, he suggests uh, some, uh, some titles that we could use, or some lines we could use in worship. So here we go. Uh, I will follow you rather than bury my dead father, personal favourite of mine. <laughs> because of you, I will be hated by everyone. I love you, Lord, more than my son and daughter. <laughs> and finally, I will sell all I have and give the money to the poor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're all very biblical. I'm surprised. I know, I know, Paul. I didn't know you'd read the Bible. That's that's remarkable. <laughs> that's very good. Um but it does make it did make you think what would happen if we sang sort of really honest worship songs, and yes. um, about how we were feeling. Because I often find myself singing a song that I, it's not about how I feel. You know, Lord, I want to lift my hands on high. Well, I never, I've never ever wanted to lift my hands on high. I don't know about you. Have you wanted to lift them on low? Oh no! Oh really? And <laughs> or also, just sit is, on them? Why is it? Why is it we always have to lift up holy hands? When when do we get to lift up holy legs? That's exactly, what I want to and that would be a lot more entertaining <laughs> in a packed service. Really good. Or so, Lord, you know, you could, Lord, today I feel like worshiping you. Oh no, I don't because I've been made redundant and the cat's been sick in my slippers. How about that yeah, one? Exactly. That'd be a good one. <laughs> yeah, you know, we, I don't want to praise you with every breath, but would you settle for every Tuesday <laughs> evening? <laughs> Yeah, every Sunday morning for a bit. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, um, I suppose the thing is, because that's what the Psalms are, aren't they? They are honest worship songs. They yeah, are. They're, they're very they're, depressing, a lot of them, actually. Some of them are, yeah. But that's the point, isn't it? They're about like lament. You know? yes. and, and I was thinking about this, because there's that song um, by, what's his name? Matt Redman. Um, and it's about, you know, how, how he's going to praise you, even though he's walking through the hard times. I can't remember these things. What is, how does it go? Uh, uh, you know, um, uh, yeah. even though I, the, the road is yeah. paved with sadness or something yes. like that. Do you know yeah. what? what? Yes. I don't know which yeah. one it is. Yes, I know. It's one of those. But it's very popular. And I think the reason it's popular is it's because... So one popular, of the... neither of us can actually... <laughs> so popular, I can't. <laughs> Hang on. It. Hang on. When there's pain in the something... I've got pain yes. in I've got pain in my wilderness. I think it is <laughs> something like that in my joints. Uh, blessed be your name. That's it. Yes. it. I knew I'd get there. Yes. Blessed be your name. And um, I think the reason that's so popular is because it does actually have a bit of reality in it. It is about you know it does. It's one of the few songs that acknowledges that life is occasionally a bit crap. You know. Yes, and, true. Uh, I think good on him for that. But anyway. Uh, yes, thank you, Paul. Well done, Matty. Yes. Yeah, well sure. done. I'm sure Get he's listening. There. He could be yeah. one of the three listeners. We don't know. So we, I want to do a feature as well called Ask Pastor Joe, because you have a pastor's heart, don't I you? I do. Joe? Yes. Do you? Yes. Where do you keep I it? I do. <laughs> I keep it in the filing cabinet. <laughs> I also have, a, I actually have a pastor's leg as well. <laughs> and I'm, I'm hoping that in time I may collect the full set. <laughs> so you can build Frankenpasta. I could. <laughs> and in many ways, I am. <laughs> You're a self-made man. And, um, uh, well, anyway, so because so, I have this... Right, I've preached a couple of times recently on the love of God. Oh, you did. I know, I know. I went there. I know how God loves people. 
And both times, really, someone's come up to me afterwards and more or less said that I didn't include enough sin. (laughs) You were supposed to be preaching. I mean, what they (laughs) expect you to be doing. Yeah, I I said with my back. What are you talking about? Um, But but it was like um, uh, one of them said, you know, I hope you're going to give us part, come back and give us part two. And I said, what's part two? She said, well, one, there's, you know, about stuff you shouldn't do. Ah, the bad news. And the thing is, I found it quite difficult to argue because I'm not very good at arguing, really, especially after you preach. And I didn't know what to do. And I I don't know what your response would be to that, really. How do you deal with people who turn up and say, well, you should talk a lot more about wrath and sin, frankly? Well, I have two responses to that, but I'll just give you the one. (laughs) 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 Yeah. I've learned through bitter experience, you know, when people get into an argument, especially one that involves throwing Bible verses at you, no matter how good your arguments are, you're never going to win. I mean, you just aren't going to win. Their mind is made up. Yeah. They're not asking you a question there. A lot of the time they're wanting to tell you something. And it's, of course, you know, I think the wise person does actually listen and see whether there's any truth in what they're saying but most of the time uh, people have these preset ideas and it is in those earlier stages of faith where things are more black and white and sin and and right it's, there's not gray and it's because you can talk about the love of god all you like and you can preach about it all you like and you can sing about it all you like and i know people who've been in the church for 20 30 40 years or more every week they're hearing how much god loves them but they know the kicker is coming He's going to get you in the end, though, if you don't turn around Mm. and follow him. Mm. Those people who want you to talk more about sin are really, I think, asking a heart question about, hang on, this is how we've understood who God God really is. What do you mean he loves you? What about sin? What about all the deathly, deadly consequences of it and everything? So I guess the question is, is there another way of understanding the gospel and what the Bible is teaching about sin and hell and all those things? And we ain't going to cover that in one podcast. No, and I think the thing is, I'm always wary of, and this is the, the problem, when we talked about stages of faith last time, and you talked so unusually eloquently, I felt, oh, about it. Yeah, I, I was shocked. And, um, <laughs> and, and it, was, it was great. But, it, but it, the danger is that we view them as kind of, oh, look, I'm, I'm up here. I'm a, I'm a level oh, four yeah, I'm, I'm a lot more enlightened. I'm a level five yeah, Christian. Sure, look sure. at you, you poor, sad, level two sure. Christian, yeah. you know, caterpillar. Yeah. And you not recognise my butterfly-ness. Yeah, sure. But I want to, you know, I want to hear what they what they're saying and try and understand sure, sure. where they're at. I don't want to kind and, of just and always them. you've got to balance out boundaries and you've got to think about is this your pride that's being offended or woundedness and and all those sort of things. Yeah. I think all you can do is, you know, as humbly as you are able to, Nick, uh, share <laughs> share where you're at with yeah. it. It's well, not... there's an issue. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, well, thank you. That's no, very you're helpful. Right. Yes. <laughs> like characters on X Factor, we're all on a journey. We are. And, um, you know, it, it we're just at different places, I guess. Anyway, uh, talking of feedback, I've, I've got another letter here. Okay. And uh, it's a letter from uh, a Mrs. Ethel Saddle person. Uh-huh. Uh, she writes Dear Mr. and Mrs. Davis. <laughs> she might not have been listening properly. Dear Mr. <laughs> and Mrs. Davis, I remember when church was all about proper things like sin and flower arranging. 
But if you are going to in, if you are going to infest the interweb with your drivel, please could you talk about Carl Jung and his influential 1930 essay, The Stages of Life. Excellent. So that's great, isn't it? Because that leads beautifully into the topic that I was planning to talk about, funnily enough. And, um, yeah, I thought I'd talk a bit about Jung. Good. And uh, very briefly, because you'll hear me talk about Jung quite a lot, I think, on this podcast, assuming you stick with it past any any more of these. Um, And when we talk a lot about uh, mid-life and that kind of concept, a lot of that comes from Carl Jung, the... Uh, he was Swiss, you know, Joe. You're obsessed with their European origin. He was Swiss and therefore ate, uh, lived mainly on Toblerone and yogurt, I believe, <laughs> and uh, which he ate with his his penknife. And um, and <laughs> and he, he he did. He wrote this essay in 1930 called "The Stages of Life," and basically it argued that life is a game of two halves. That, that fundamentally you get the first half of life and the second half of life. The first half of life is all about really becoming acceptable to society so doing all the stuff that you're expected to do getting the home and the the family and the status and the job and um, the possessions and and building that that framework uh that's that's supposed to help you fit in but he said the real thing the real work of life is, is the second half of life is when you come to terms with the real you um and 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 that means dealing with the darker side dealing with the the shadow side, as he called it, the stuff you don't want to talk about. And the reason I think this is important is because I think I see it so much in people's lives and I've seen it in my own life. And I've seen and it is really reflective of what we talk about in the idea of the mid faith crisis is that, you know, we go along and we build this. We build our religion. We build our faith up. We, we accumulate all this stuff. And, and it's not really us. Um, and one of the things Jung talked about was the, the idea he talked about um, persona. Persona are the masks that um, the actors used to wear in in Roman theatre, as you knew, Joe. Obviously, of course, yeah. and um, uh, and and so they would wear these masks. And he said, basically, in the first half of life, when we're doing we're doing what he called adaptation, we're basically building all this 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 uh, this framework. We wear these masks. We mm. wear different masks mm. for different occasions. We wear a persona, and um, the real work is about what goes on behind the mask. And I think that's very a powerful idea because I do meet a lot of people who are, you know, are trapped really in the masks they wear. I mean, we've got to wear masks. We've got to have the, you know, we've got to have a certain persona. If, if I, if I go to see the doctor, I don't, I don't want him to be slumped in the corner in his underwear with a bottle of whiskey in his hand. Sobbing. Again, <laughs> again. <laughs> you know, I accept that working in the NHS is tough, <laughs> and that might be where he feels he is. But you kind of want a bit more of a professional outlook really so we of course we wear the persona but the difficulty comes in our lives is when the persona that we wear is very different to to the real us the person behind it and when that gap is too big something breaks and i think that's really what people experience in 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 uh sort of the the mid-faith crisis idea is that they come to a point when they can no longer maintain that gap when they're 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 you know standing in front of all these people or, or they're doing yeah, sure. various things and they're, they're wearing the persona of a perfectly contented Christian and inside behind that mask is a, is a very frightened and vulnerable person often or somebody yeah. who's just confused or somebody who's lost their way somebody's got real issues this is certainly an experience in my life yeah um, 
Yeah. So, um, you know, that's that's the essay, really. It's talking about that kind of stuff. So Ethel Saddle person is a really good request there. Yeah, it was. And, of course, Raw picked up those things. Yeah. Richard Raw. In, uh, did we did we plug this book last time? Sorry if we, we did, did not. It no. is an important book, but his book, Falling Upwards, is such a helpful book. Cause he's making exactly that point that the first half of your life and the first half of faith is learning the laws and learning the rules. And it's building your um, ego identity. And like you say, it's not a bad thing. You need it. You need it to find a job and to get a mate and to do all those kind of functional things that you do. But there comes a point where that ego or persona, as you call it, it gets in the way of the real you. And I think yeah. in, in the faith journey, you could liken that to, so you build this faith, you've got this kind of systematic theology. One thing builds upon the other, which builds upon the other, which builds upon the other. And you've got this, you've built the house of faith in your life. But then you realise the foundations feel shaky yeah. and then you, you know perhaps something terrible happens you, you you have a divorce or a redundancy or terrible illness or worse still a child dies or something awful like that happens in your life and and your faith that you've built just cannot contain that mm. and so you start to question it feels vulnerable because actually the foundations need digging out and mm. you know it, it rocks people but actually what you're going to need in the second half is a whole new set of tools, a new way to understand the Bible, a new way to interpret the Bible, a new way to make sense of faith, a new way to, in fact, a whole new vision, I think, of who God is. I'm so young at heart. Hey, hang you on. are. I'm, oh, I'm here. I'm here we are, in fact, the young ones. <laughs> and uh, the, young, the young ones, I should say. And um, yes, so keep uh, young and beautiful, everybody. <laughs> it's your duty to be beautiful. <laughs> anyway, um, the thing that gives you comfort in there is that if you believe, to, to circle back around to what we're talking about, if, if we have faith that God is a loving God, that God is truly, truly loves us, really loves us, then for me at least that gave me the courage to take off the mask. That gives you somebody yeah. who you can actually be absolutely honest with Yeah. and just go to to god well this is who i am yeah you know god's probably waiting yeah. for you to do that i think it's interesting in, in in the gospels that jesus reserves some of his harshest comments for for what he calls hypocrites that's yeah. the greek word for actor who wore these masks these are the pe he 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 reserves his hardest harshest criticism for mask wearers for people who are different behind yeah, sure. the mask and that, that and and i think it's not just because that they can be hypocritical in that sense and it, yeah. you know it, i think it because it's that he realizes it's damaging them as well yeah. you know it's it's killing them yeah you know, I, think that, um, I think that's right i think it makes sense some of the beatitudes you know blessed are the poor blessed are the meek blessed you know those who mourn well you think well that that's nothing blessed about that it's just they don't tend to wear so many masks do yeah they? yeah so Oh. so there we go some thoughts to think about and um maybe that you can get into a place where you need to take the mask off a bit and spend some time with god and just say well this is this is who sure i am and can i ask you a question i mean just just mm. to keep this whole thing earthed how did you do that i mean uh, you know, I well mean, if, that's if this the is, thing if, if this is the story of your if this narrative yes, that you've been talking yes. about makes sense of yes. of life what happened for you how well, did you realise God loved you? How did I, you feel strong? I think to... it comes back to what you were just saying about the tough moments, because I think that actually sometimes, uh, I hate to sound glib about this in any way for, pe for people who are going through um, serious hard times, 
Um, but I think sometimes it is the tough moments, the really difficult bits that tear the mask off and that allow us, give us the strength to do that. You know, because for me, it was a complete sense of failure. I thought I just, you know, I came to a point where I thought I was a complete failure, where um, it was a very small thing that triggered it. But, you know, why I thought I, I just lost, I couldn't cope anymore. Just couldn't cope. And um, I spent the best part of a, you know, long weekend just... Um, crying really just coming to the end of my tether on that mm. um and and at the time it feels like everything's falling apart but actually it's it's it, it looking back it was an immense grace because it did reveal firstly how how close to the edge i was and secondly it's mm. what well, it was the start of a journey of um you know becoming a perhaps a little bit more more whole i mean i don't think you i think when something like that happens to you and i know it's happened to you in a uh, you know a more serious way actually but I think when that happens to you, 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 you never get rid of those wounds. But I think there is huge strength to be yeah. had as one as one of the walking wounded. Yeah, and you it know, turns I out think... what I what I find amazing is that it turns out that the thing that you fear the most, the, the worst place to go, the thing you absolutely don't, turns out to be the grace where transformation yeah. happens. But a great hero of mine called Dallas Villard, sadly he's dead now, but he he used to say, "God's address is the end of your rope." Yeah. In other words, when you get to the absolute end of your road, you, 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 God will be there. It's not the godless place. It is the place. It is the grace-filled place. Mm. And, you know, it's just such hope in that. Mm. So, there we go. I think we True, should wrap this up. True, but not particularly because... funny, Nick, uh, uh, they say yeah, so. Yeah, well, actually, that, that, you sound like one of the reviewers of my books, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, okay. so there we go. So uh, give us a recommendation, then, Joe. What book? Uh, Everyone book should. Written. I think uh, I, I, I really recommend, if you're at that point where you are thinking, I'm not sure this is making sense to me uh, uh, now, I would really recommend Richard Raw, Falling Upwards. It's fantastic. Okay. I think it's yeah. only about seven, seven quid on, on Amazon. Very good, very good. Better uh, still support your local bookshop, but if you don't, buy it on Amazon. Yeah, yeah, go, yeah buy it at a bookshop. Anyway, it's time to wrap this up. Um, thank you for listening. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it. This is uh, the Mid-Faith Crisis. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with uh, the uh, rather obviously named Episode 3. Uh, see you soon. See ya.